On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have an awesome guest, Depesh Mandalia, who is responsible for spending shoot upwards of $40, $50 million in ad spend every single year. We dive into his background, where he started in affiliate marketing, how he's diving into the real estate scene, and diving into the kind of rich ad segments and poor ads of understanding your audience, your offers, testing, um, to kind of really make sure you hit it right on the head to where, you know, it's not rocket science on the media buying side. We also kind of dive into the super juicy financial side of things, understanding kind of cash buffers, how to kind of set up your agency or business for success in the kind of long term. Make sure to tune in. You will not want to miss this one. You know, we took this e-com store from 800K to 26 mil in 18 months. It's like, dude, I've never heard of anyone doing that before. And I said, yeah, we did it like 2015. It was cool. And it was like blown away. But for me, I was right in the middle of it. And I, I focus on the on the, how stressful it was and how intense it was. And he's like, from the outside, are you even listening to what you're saying? And I started to share some stuff online. People started following. Then I figured, you know what, what maybe people can use this and, and can benefit from it. Listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with a one and only Dylan Carpenter. How are you doing today, Dylan? Good, man. We got a legend of the game today. I'm, I'm pumped hey, for this one. A legend. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think today's guest, uh, gosh, has managed tens of millions of dollars in media and has really been one of the, I think, most generous uh, Facebook ad experts in terms of just be willing to open up the kimono and share a ton of insights. Um, but I think he said before the show, he's managing over 40 million, maybe 50 million a year in, in annual ad spend, um, which is, uh, that's, that's no, no, that's no small feat. So I feel like, um, we're going to learn a lot today. He's also the creator of the BPM method, which we're going to dive into. And, um, and it's good stuff. So what, what do you think? Should we, should we bring him on the show, Dylan? The hype is real, man. Let's go ahead and welcome this guy in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Depeche, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Excited to have you here, man. Excited I, uh, to be here. I, uh, I, I'm a fan. I, I feel like um, there's very few folks that, that are managing the level of scale that you, you've uh, been fortunate enough to manage, but also really peel back the onion. But I'm excited to get into what's working now. I'm excited to hear about a rich ad i'm excited to hear about uh to know that you're not perfect um i want to hear about a poor ad that you've tanked on so we all know you're you've got a chink in your armor um but tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to uh uh these days what, what do you, what's got you excited Absolutely. Right, so now? right now um you spread between running an agency um trying to figure out a training program and how to kind of best educate people on getting better with their ads and, and kind of um, getting better better results for their business as well um, we do some e-com on the side. Also on the side, have a, a large family as well, which I look after as well. So lots of things to keep me busy at the moment. That is awesome, man. Yeah, I think they're, you know, for the agencies listening to the show, they they would love to hear your journey from, you know, really 
uh, doing affiliate marketing to then jumping into the agency side to now really doing uh, quite a bit of uh, coursework and, and education. And, you know, there's some agencies that that talk every single month and year about like, I'm going to stop doing client work this year. <laughs> I'm going to come out with my own program and offer. And it's quite uh, it requires a ton of discipline to really be able to make that jump from, uh, you know, uh, agency owner, um, you know, performance marketer, affiliate marketer, where you're always working on other people's campaigns uh, to where you're really, uh, you know, owning the offer yourself. So how how have you been able to stay so so disciplined and what advice would you give to the agencies listening? So first of all, I've spent most of my time client side. So I've had a lot of experience with bad agencies and also learned a ton from good agencies. So by the time I started to transition away from consulting and kind of working one-to-one with uh, different clients into an agency world, I kind of knew what I wanted from the agency. It took us a while to get there. Um, you know, I'd say t- the first 12 months was a ton of learnings. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a difference between seeing an agency from the outside and actually being right in the middle of it and, and seeing what it's about. Then it was a case of, so here's how we transitioned from agency to training was, at that stage, back in 2017, I started to look for media buying training for my team. Now, you'll know, even back in 2017, let alone right now, there are hundreds and hundreds of Facebook ad courses out there from people who are 18 years old, probably 12 years old, <laughs> probably 30 and 50, um, who are all experts with their Lambos and stuff like that. Some <laughs> of them are genuine. There are some really good people out there, but the majority is just disappointing. And I went through them. I, I honestly like spent months and months going through lots and lots of these programs. I thought I can't. Some programs had some good stuff. A lot of them was just trash. And how many of them were just taking stuff that Facebook give you for free from Blueprint and just recreating that with a with a different veneer? So I started to just write my own training. It was just like I'd write and uh, you know do a short video, loom video, show it with a team, and then I started to bolt that together. And I thought, right, how do I? turn this into a bit more of a, a strategy, not just kind of one-off videos. And then it was a conversation with a friend of mine in 2017. And he goes, um, have you considered sharing it with other people? And I'm like, who'd want to learn from me? Like, I'm, you know, there's loads of other people out there. But he goes, look, you're, you're stuff. This lowly, this lowly media buyer that only manages 40 million a year in media. Like when, you're, when you're in that kind of space, you don't, sometimes you don't realize how good yeah. the stuff is that you're doing and what you've done. So he goes like, what, yeah. what's the best um, case study you've got? And I said, yeah. You know, we took, took this e-com store from 800k to 26 mil in 18 months. It's like, dude, I've never heard of anyone doing that before. And I said, yeah, we did it like 2015. It was cool. He's, and he was like blown away. But for me, I was right in the middle of it. And I, mm-hmm. I focused on the, on the how stressful it was and how intense it was. And he's like, from the outside, are you even listening to what you're saying? And I started to share some stuff online. People started following. And I figured, you know what, what maybe people can use this and, and can benefit yeah. from it. And, and that's kind of where, where the whole thing came from. So now it's like a balancing act between trying to keep the agency uh, following its path as well as trying to do the education thing. And I, I love doing the teaching thing. No, oh, you kill it, man. I love it. I, I It's so thorough. It's uh, it's really, you know, it's detailed. And you're not just kind of throwing up screenshots being like, look at me. <laughs> I'm awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so appreciate that. Well, DC, let's let's dive into it, man. Let's let's uh, let's dive into this rich ad. Oh yeah, so the patch. Which would you prefer first? That Meridian one is pretty fire. I will say yeah, that. Yeah, so I, I sent you two ads. So we we have a Slack channel where we just keep throwing in ads that we see that we like and hate because they, even the bad ads you learn from them as well, right? 
So these aren't um, client ads. These are just ads that we've seen from the newsfeed. Um, but I think they're really good examples of really good ads and really bad ads as well. So throw whichever one appeals to you the most. We can go through it. I'd say that Meridian Grooming. I mean, I feel like the copy kills it, the creative, the headline. It's just, it really is like, oh, let's see how far we get away with this. That grooming below the belt. <laughs> and like, you know, th things like ED products or anything that's a bit more personal, um, you have to be a bit clever of how you kind of um, communicate that with, with the, um, in the news feed and with your prospect and stuff. And I think that the hook on this particular ad is that, that kind of comparison between you and, and the guy that, uh, or, or you know the guy that your girlfriend's now dating kind of thing. It's just so clever, and it's, it it reminds me of the old Spice ads, and you know the man that your man could be kind of thing. But it's just so just it's just so instantaneous that it creates an image in your head of that new outcome. I think that's like when I break down an ad like this, I'm looking at how quickly can you get your proposition across and create that aha moment. Some people really struggle to do that in their ad. They try and create clickbait, try and get you on the landing page. And by then, you've kind of lost the interest of the user. I'm figuring out how do you get that as fast as possible? And then that absolutely does it. So let's just read through this. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing right now. So the image says, you know, basically on the left side. And, you know, if you're listening, go to richadpora.com slash podcast. You can kind of see this episode and, and we'll screenshot this, put it up in the show notes. But the left side is your grooming, uh, which is I don't even know what this is. It's like, I think it's like, like a lychee or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's like furry. There's like two red <laughs> fuzzy balls. <laughs> and then versus on the right side says, yeah, the guy's stealing your girlfriend. And it's like this like super clean <laughs> line, <laughs> like two balls with like a razor. You know, it's basically, uh, you know, basically resembling the male genitalia here. And then the copy on the headlines, like confidence begins below the belt. Right. I mean, just like, I just, you know, it's like, who, who comes up with this stuff? And, like, it's and, and so good. It's, it's like um, the hardest thing to get done in an ad is get the copy and the thumbnail or the thumbnail of the video or the static banner to get them all working together, all get them complementing. Because the thing is, when you see the ad, you're going to first be drawn to the image. That's the first thing that captures you. And, and what people fail to understand is you don't just need an image that stands out in the newsfeed. I've seen, I've seen experts, Facebook experts that show Images are completely random things that are bright and cheerful and, and demonstrating how this has caught your attention in the newsfeed. If it doesn't match the copy, that just pisses people off. Like there's no connection there. But this is just perfectly grabbed your attention and in the first few lines hooked you in. And now you want to know more. Um, you've probably heard of the ADA principle, um, attraction, interest, desire, and action when it comes to copywriting. I look yeah. at that when it comes to an ad as well. The attraction's mm -hmm. there. The image absolutely does that. The first few lines does the interest, and then the next few lines does the desire, and then the action is literally just click to find out more, and you, and you will want to do that. I mean, just think about all the things that they could have done, you know, with this type of ad, right? Like, they decided to talk to really highlight the guy stealing your girlfriend. That's, like, brilliant, because... You could have said, like, are you scratching your balls, right? Or, like, is this discomfort? Is this awkward in public? Yeah. You could have gone, like, this whole, like, not even bring in the girlfriend aspect of it all. <laughs> you Absolutely. could have just went, like, a totally different approach. Um, I think that they you, they could have just focused all on the, the pain, um, but in a single static image, it's just, like, you know... 
it's just it's just a perfect just a b you know absolutely the, the way they've done it is just is so cool when when i look at building my avatar i'm looking at two things that i want from my avatar one is the emotional hook and the other one is the functional benefit whether it's a product or service and they've absolutely nailed an emotional mm. hook here which is pleasing the girlfriend and, and mm -hmm. doing it in a way that makes you feel good as well and and the the copy that has just come through on that image and then the kind of uh, the copy in the ad just hits the nail on the head. Oh my gosh! Now, now I didn't, I'm reading the copy now. I can't oh. believe the, the quotes. This is hilarious. That's, <laughs> That's my favorite part. The bushes. Importance of growing below the belt. I feel more confident when the bushes are trimmed. The tree looks bigger, feels so smooth and clean down there. My partner does it for me, and I. Do it. It's pretty edgy. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I wonder if how far they pressed it, or if this was like the first version of one, or it's like let's see if this gets approved because there was 500 disapprovals before yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, the ad was running for some time as well, so I think it lasted a while. Oh, that's a yeah. good find, man. And the thing that's is, a that, good that's find. a perfect ad to then take someone through an advertorial style lander and expand on that story, and then land mm -hmm. them on your product page because then it's just. You've got them interested. Now you need to close them. And, and what mm -hmm. I think people then miss out is a, a great ad is there to get you into the shop. It doesn't get you to the till and to, to buy. That's your lander. And I think a the great till. ad works. The till. Well. We don't use that word over here oh, okay, over yeah, in Austin, Texas. The till. <laughs> the till. Slightly angry barrier there. The till. I love it. That's super cool. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out ad card. See the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your clients' ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. Uh, all right, let's look at this other one here. Not your granddad's wedding band. Man, the engagement on this is just unreal. I wonder how long this was truly the, running for. The crazy thing about this is um, jewelry is such a um, red ocean. Like when it comes to selling jewelry, jewelry online and stuff like that. And and people try, I think, too hard sometimes to sell the, the copy, the image and stuff like that. Usually I try and get people not to focus on the product too much because often people are buying the outcome. So here I've got the aura ring. I can track my... Um, sleep and things like that no one really cares about the ring they want to know how you're improving your health that's the thing they buy into so if mm. you look at a product like this um usually i'd say don't focus on the ring because they want to know what the benefit is so it's, it's stylish mm. it's a great accessory but what works so well here is the copy because they're, they're, they're talking about it's not a, a granddad style ring and, mm. and there's a bit of curiosity that they create that a the the style of the the band 
is great, the colors and everything like that. And there's just a, an element of curiosity that will get you to click. The challenge here is, does the lander get you to close? Does it get you to actually buy into the product? I think, I think the ad itself, it doesn't try too hard, but it does so much. Oh, and it just reiterates the exact same copy on the headline and the body. So I, mean, I just think it's so, so simple and effective. Because I mean, that engagement does not lie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm on their website right now. Buying a wedding band doesn't have to suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. A good tagline. That's good. All right, man. Let's dive into it. So uh, let's let's hear about this poor ad. Now, is this is this one of your own poor ads, or no, is no, this no, one you found not. on the internet? This is uh, one of the. He doesn't do poor ads. He yeah, doesn't do poor ads. Uh, this is so. Here's the thing: when you create an ad. You want to evoke emo an emotion, but that emotion has to nudge you towards buying something or signing up for something. The right. emotion I feel when I see this is extreme pain in my stomach because of the image it's shown. I want to get rid of that ad. I want to report the ad. I want to tear it out of my newsfeed. It's just, it doesn't do me any good whatsoever. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not the target market, but I still don't imagine any human wants to see what they go through. So, for example, when, you go, when someone goes for Botox or any kind of um, surgery around the body, no one wants to know really what happens because it's gruesome. Right. They want to know how I'm going to look in four weeks' time. And I think that's where this ad kind of misses that trick. Totally. Yeah, the image is atrocious. It's like a pinch in his belly. It's and it's just, yeah. The other thing that drives me nuts is, honestly, the Billy link and no actual like headline link, like call to action down there. I don't know what it is, but that always arcs me. And the thing is, the, um, the company, the Harley Clinic, um, I think it's Harley, Harley something, they're um, quite well known in, in London. And mm. I imagine they've got good cash buffers to spend on ads. It's mm -hmm. a bit shocking to come up with an ad like that. Fat freeze treatment. I feel like they were, they definitely like missed like the, the, the boat there in terms of, you know, what is the, the outcome? Mm. There is something to be said for highlighting the mechanism you know, of like, there is a, like, have you tried all these other ways? And they, yeah. they, they basically like heard about this, this, this idea. And then they just like completely failed on execution. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, you know, maybe you could like, after you're really highlighting the fact that maybe this, this dude's going to look better and his girlfriend's going to be happy. Take a lesson out of the <laughs> other <laughs> chat here. Once that's, you know, been established, you know, then you can kind of like jump a little bit further into, hey, you know, fat freezing treatment is going to work better than lipo diets, gym. It's faster, it's cheaper, right. blah 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 blah. But when you're just showing up like a picture of a dude and and and, and a fat freeze, it's just like, oh man, I'm that's a big jump that I have to get to. Real and fast. I, can, I can imagine the media buyer or the creative person's like, what is the product we're actually selling? And someone said, here's the picture of what we're selling, and they're like, great, let's put that in the ad and write some copy. That's not what you're selling. You're selling what happens four weeks later when the guy's looking at his flat stomach and thinking, wow, it's great to now be able to fit in my, my smaller trousers or jeans or whatever. So how, how do you think this applies to, you know, what you're doing over at BPM Method, right? Let's just, let's just talk about your own ads for a second, right? You're selling sure. to an advertiser, somebody that ultimately wants, you know, a, a, a better ROI, better, you know, more scale on their, mm. on their advertising. And how do you, you know, how would you think about kind of showing that for more digitally native products that, uh, 
you know, it's easy to do. And, you know, it's easy to see and it's a physical product. It's like, I got this, right? But how, how are you thinking about that um, for, your, for, your own, for your own stuff right Absolutely. now? So the first thing I think about, so I break down four elements of a great ad campaign into four parts. So you've got product. Does the product clearly solve a problem or create a new opportunity? That, that's all it's all about. So um, if you've heard of Eugene Schwartz and his four stages of problem unaware, um, solution aware, and everything in between, where does your product sit? So for example, mm -hmm. uh, the first ad that you saw, I'd argue the product isn't immediately obvious. Like if you presented that as an ad of a razor, who knows, is it for your face or is it for something else? But now they've presented the ad in a different way, you know immediately what that product's about. So mm -hmm. there's that, the thing about product proposition. The second thing is the audience avatar. How well constructed is that? Um, I had a, a call with someone yesterday and um, they were talking about their client and this is exactly what their client says their customer is. I said, how do you know that? Well, well, the, she said, you know, the founder of the business said that's the case. I said, where's your data points? Have you surveyed mm -hmm. existing customers? Have you looked at your ad campaigns to see where the clicks are coming from? If you've gone through your analytics and stuff like that. So it's building a real picture of who your customer is. The third and most important part is the offer. So an offer is not discount, promotion, anything like that. The offer mm -hmm. is the whole construct of your copy, your creative, your lander, and everything that comes between that, which matches the product with your audience. So once you get the offer right, I'd argue that media buying is easy. Then the final part is your funnel the sales funnel, booking funnel, whatever it is. And when you get those four parts together, that's when the magic happens. Then we take it a layer down and say, right, who's the avatar? And as I mentioned before, what's the emotional trigger? What are the functional benefits? And how do we write ad angles that are going to hook people in on, on something that's emotional? I'll give you an example. Um, about three, four years ago in the affiliate space and CPA offers, LED dog collars were a big thing. And people were selling them as, they're bright, they last long, all that kind of stuff. They're focusing on the functional benefits. Most people were selling it for about $25, $30. Then came a different style of advertiser, was selling it for $50, but the angle was this product could save your dog's life. Now all of a sudden, $50 doesn't sound that expensive. And, and that's the difference between finding an emotional hook that actually means something to you and something that's functional, which makes it easier for you to rationalize should I buy this? Should I not? It's $25. It's an LED dog collar. I don't think I need it right now. Now, I got something coming in here. You mentioned the offer coming in hot. Now, is this something y'all help come up with with the clients? Is it the clients? They already kind of have something in mind. Do you kind of feed it off some of their top services? How do you approach the offer when it's not existing at that kind of point in time? Yeah, so that comes from the avatar. It's building um, the hook between the product the audience and, and kind of how that is communicated. That's essentially it. So um, we would focus on writing different hooks for our ads. Taking the newsfeed, for example, the first two lines of your copy are the most important um, of the whole copy block. Because if no one reads the first two lines, they're not reading anymore, they read more. So, you know, as we saw in the ad examples, you've got the first attraction point is your thumbnail or your static banner or whatever format you're using. But then you need to retain that interest. So we test multiple ad angles to find which are the strongest ones. So for example, um, you know, we were working with organic smoothies some years ago. We were working on, right, what are the benefits of the organic smoothies? Weight loss, it's weight control, it's, it's um, bodybuilding. There's lots of different things. Then, right, what are the um, emotional triggers here? So talking about, you know, once you've got the weight off, how do you maintain it? 
and, and how, how do you write a few hooks of copy to make that happen? How do we get an image or video to um, amplify that pain or new opportunity and then tie that into kind of creating that ad that's really going to cut through? Um, and you know, one thing I would say is of the many, many ad accounts I've audited, the amount of people that have great products and have written uh, great offers but have no clue really on what they're doing about media buying far outweighs those that are really good at media buying but can't create great offers. Like this is just something where when I speak to people and they're like, I want to be the best media buyer. I'm like, no, you don't need to be the best media buyer. Like don't worry about learning Facebook ads, learn marketing. One thing I, I think is, is pretty cool is um, the, the founder of Mindvalley was talking about if you go back 100 years, 500 years, the way you would sell to humans, it has actually changed the triggers, the emotions, the reactions and stuff like that. What's changed is the medium. So even 100 years ago, the internet obviously wasn't around. Um, 10 years ago, Facebook really wasn't a, a, as big a platform as it is for advertising. Now, the medium keeps adapting and it will keep adapting, but humans change at a slower rate. So all the strategies and tactics and stuff that you're using right now, if you rely heavily on the platform, and, and you'll know this, Dylan, from all the different Facebook groups of duplicating and budgets and this kind of stuff, that is so like short-term thinking. Get your offer right, get your avatar right, get your landers right, fit your product up. That's where the money's made. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, Mike Phil Sam on here the other week. And um, you know, he went into it and he's like, Oh, we're spending 15K a day, you know, in B2B, which is not easy to do. Absolutely. And in SaaS, which is not easy to do. And he's just like only came out and talked about the offer the entire time. Yeah. Right. He's just like, we basically looked at the market, we're doing like this freemium page builder, which everybody knows, click funnels. And we just like slashed it, made it free and changed mm. our monetization model. Like we priced out LT, like LTV, like he knows his market. He's been in the market Absolutely. for like 20, 20 years. Right. So like, uh, and, um, just rolled it out, you know, in the last 60, 90 days and they've already got like 200,000 users on it. It's, it's a, it's a great story, uh, in a market that's really, um, difficult, but mm. I love the principles that you're sharing to pass. It's, 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 it's killer stuff. I want to switch gears here and talk about some of the financial principles uh, that you could share with with this market. You know, before the show, we were talking about um, really how you think about you know funding the business, how you think about managing cash in your different businesses now, both from you know on the agency side, which is there's a lot of agencies that are on that, you know, second a client leaves, they got to do some layoffs yeah. and, and they're, um, they're always chase, you know, one client away from profitability. It's, yeah. it's a difficult business to really be managing cash on. I'd love for you to talk about that. Uh, and then also how you think about investing into, uh, growth into a business when I think as a culture over here in the U S we're like obsessed with venture. We're obsessed with like debt and like, and, uh, speed. So talk, talk to, t talk to the audience a little bit about, um, how you're taking some of these principles and putting them into your different businesses. Sure. So since 2012, I've been exclusively working with startups, uh, consulting, contracting, et cetera. And I've seen every side of VC, all, all the kinds of different equities and, 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 and deals that go on. And, and the amount of failures, this is the thing about um, the, the whole world of VC is, um, you know, for every success, there's probably 50 failures or whatever the number is. And, and, I've, seen, <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing yeah. is, I've seen that the pressure that it comes with as well. And, you know, I've seen businesses that have been really run really, really well, have great product, great service, et cetera. 
all of a sudden that you know they've got 10 20 mil of um private investment all these kind of funds coming in and now you've got these new kind of directors telling you to do xyz and everything changes um, i was at a company that grew from 30 to 100 people in a couple of months uh, they had 40 million dollars invested the whole culture changed and, and it just changed the dynamics of what was a really successful business and they started to struggle now when, when i started off the agency we decided to just go all in you know bootstrap and kind of get things started without putting um, money invested in to help it grow itself so we started off with um, clients then we started to hire at the base level started to build our cash buffers and one thing we wanted to do was after that kind of 12 month mark and, and this is the thing is like if you want to build security in your business it doesn't necessarily have to come in day one day um, 180 or whatever it is we decided by that 12 month mark we needed enough buffer to cover three months of zero clients and then we grew that to six months and you know now we're at 12 months plus but that means that we can make better strategic decisions because when you know that if you make a move right now if it goes really bad and you lose a set of clients we're okay we can we can cope with it so for right now for example we are investing for the next six to 12 months in our next moves as the agency so um the, the different so we're looking at acquisitions we're looking at hiring and other things like that but we're able to do that because we've now built those buffers up even if we pull in and it goes from like 12 14 months into six months buffer we can make those decisions and and what we've done is to try and make sure every month some of that money goes aside for taxes some of that money goes aside as just um uh, reserves and then some of that money is just pulled out for other ventures as well but we've got that that process going on to make sure it doesn't sit there and, and doesn't get utilized so you know even if there is excess um you know as i mentioned to you guys earlier and i'll mention now I, I i also have real estate as well that for me is the long-term game for me to be able to build a portfolio um that i can pass on to my kids i can uh, comfortably retire on and stuff like that that's that's the game for me but the agency and, and also the training which by the way digital products far more profitable than kind of physical service um that's the kind of thing that we're kind of balancing out so when we mm. now start an e-commerce venture we're looking at giving it a boost so we might put three four five k in to get it started but then that has to turn profitability to help it continue on its own path and grow it at the rate that profitability comes in as well I love that. It's so boring, but right. You know what I mean? There's no fancy footwork here, right? This is, we're not, we're not uh, posting up cat pictures, unicorns, and babies here to hack. Uh, and, and the thing is, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, so I, I have a co-founder in my business, and yeah. she is all about bottom line, profitability, and cash flow. All I focus mm -hmm. on is revenue and growth and stuff like that. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle, that if I was a single founder right now, to manage all those variables of growth and profit and bottom line is really hard. And I've seen so many single founders fail, whether it's co-founder or uh, coaches, mentors, whatever it is, you have to surround yourself with the people that have walked that path. I, I've relied on mentors, you know, for the last six, seven, eight years, looking at two to three steps ahead of where I am right now. What do I need to be considering? What, what am I missing here? Yeah. yeah. Dave, uh, well, there's a couple of people that come to mind. Um, Grant Cardone's quote says, cash isn't king, cash flow is king, which I love. And uh, Dave Ramsey has a funny video on, on Facebook where he just totally 
beats up on like Chase and all the all the points. And he's like, if you think you're gaming Chase and you're trying to squeeze out three percentage points, four percentage points, he's like, you're focused on the wrong thing, right? And and he's like, Chase is winning in that in, in that game. And I uh I love your simplistic approach to it. I also think that being in the UK um is is uh people look at just you know cards and bank accounts and kind of their financial stack differently um it's much more boring and traditional over there i think everybody in the u.s is like uh you know i gotta get my airline miles i don't care if i'm in a pandemic like i gotta get you know two percent cash back three or four and i've really um you don't get caught up in that right and and especially like media buyers that are spending you know 40 million a year, like we've seen a lot of them get hyper focused on, hey, if I could put all this spend like on my card, or if I could kind of build a client up front, I could double my profit or I could yeah. you know, increase my profit by 50% by just getting an extra one or two points. And, and, and I think to be fair, I think it depends where you are in your life cycle. So if you're yeah. transitioning from working nine to five and you've just launched your e-com store and you're struggling for cash flow and those margins matter, then I think it absolutely makes sense. And, and people will go for the uh, those tiny margins help them. I think as you become more established, it just you don't feel it as much. And, and yeah, you're probably leaving money on the table by not using certain cards. In the UK, we don't even have that much choice. I've seen um, even my, in my Facebook group when, I, when people are posting and saying, what cards do you use? And I'm looking at the awards you get in uh, the US, in Canada. We don't have that here. No, it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. But I, you know, I, I love it. I, it's it's one of those things. You know, a big part of my my native advertisement here for for AdCard is like the way that we are looking at our cards is like an opportunity to give value to help the businesses grow, which is the thing that you wake up and you think about. You know. Uh, every single day is like, how do I grow the top line? Yeah. Nobody's waking up every single day of like, how do I get one, two, three, four percent back? It's something you check in like every six months in your business, but it's like way back there. And I just, I think that there's an opportunity in, in, in the space to say, why, why can't a financial company exist to just help you grow the top line? <laughs> the thing that like we all just care about. Uh, and so I always, um, want to highlight the people that don't get caught up into that. Most of the time it's people overseas that are just like, Hey man, like that's not the, that's not the the needle mover here. So yeah. I like how you set it up. Tell, tell everybody, I, I feel like I'm kind of a recapping a conversation you and I had, but tell everybody a little bit about your perspective on, you know, how you think about, um, you know, cards, points, things like that. Obviously UK is limited, but I think your perspective is also uh, helpful here too. Yeah, I, I think the angle I come from is I'm, I've got a family, I've got five kids and, and kind of how I would be able to use those points differs as well. So, you know, for, for people who are single or in a couple relationship or maybe even have one kid, you've got a lot mm-hmm. more flexibility. So if you're using flights, you can kind of be a lot more flexible with that as well. Um, let me tell you, flying seven ki- seven people is truly expensive. Um, we, we did a big trip to Alaska last year. And it was it, that was fun. But the thing is, it was like, um, the, you know, I, I don't really have the time as well. So my, my, my business partner, she looks at things like how can we squeeze this and squeeze that? I think the way I look at it is every single day, you have 100% of capacity for your mind. 
same reason I wear a black T-shirt every day. Like I don't want to think about that. And it's the same with um, the bottom line. If, if, if I know we're profitable, if I know we've got cash flow, then I don't want to worry about that. I'll just continue focusing on growth. Totally. I love it. I love it. Okay. Pesh, you've been amazing, man. Um, you just deliver every time. Tell everybody a little bit about you know, how, what you're up to next, how they can get in touch, where they should go from here. Absolutely. So, I mean, my big push is to make sure people really know what the BPM method is. Because the thing is, what I'm trying to do is get people to understand that advertising is far easier. doesn't matter which platform you're on. You're on Facebook, you're on Snapchat. The same principles apply, which I've talked about. So that's my big thing right now is getting that message out to more and more people. So the BPM method is my uh, main focus right now. Um, but, you know, looking into next year, um, you know, we've got an event that's we're just about to publish and go live with. I, I love I love in-person events. Now, obviously, this year is not quite possible. The next <laughs> best thing is to try and do that online as well. So events um, and, and kind of just trying to get as many of the positive messages out there to help people get better performance for their business. I love it. So it's at bpmmethod.com. That's, that's right. Absolutely. That's where they can check it out. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, Depeche, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing some of the principles and how you look at finances, break down rich ads and, and poor ads. Uh, you, you, you've been awesome. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funneldash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ed book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoored.com. To leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.